welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name's Chad. That's it. That's all you get today. Because everybody else is either too sick or too otherwise occupied. Or, or too, too having babies. Babies are just too sexy for this podcast. Did we ever announce that Julia had a baby? I like, don't know if we did or not. Like, yeah, Julia had a baby. Like, not, you know, oh, I had a baby. Yeah, nine years ago. No, Julia had one week still. I mean, yeah. I think the I, I kid's a, only three weeks old. I have no sense of time. Right. So so it's in college now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the baby was either born yesterday or 25 <laughs> years ago. Somewhere between these two points. Yeah. But no, seriously, Julia did have a baby, which is why she's been absent from the show so much. She had a somewhat complicated pregnancy and then had the baby. And that baby just keeps crying and crying and we can't get the baby on the show. And it did, we give it dice and she just tries to eat the dice. Yeah. Just, do we know the baby's name? <laughs> I don't remember the baby's name. Well, I mean, I haven't met them, right? Yeah. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. Same here. I actually have not seen julia and mike since the right. baby was born i mean i've seen pictures and she's talked to us about her i gotta stop saying it about her but there's still a part of my brain that i know intellectually is totally incorrect but there's a part that is trying to tell me that this baby doesn't exist yet because i haven't met her no i'm with you i mean everybody has that or at some yeah. point in your life there's it's, an intellectual she's real re- but not real yeah there's an intellectual reality that you have not fully emotionally internalized mm-hmm. I mean, not to be really morose here, but... You're going to be really morose, aren't you? Yeah, I am going to be totally morose here. But somewhere between yesterday and 25 years ago, (laughs) we lost a dog. And it didn't hit me Mm. when it happened. Like, I knew intellectually, obviously, what had occurred. But it did not hit me until it was this emotional blindside. Right. Which is what I think loss hits most people. But... I got up one morning and was just in my autopilot getting ready Mm -hmm. for work. And I went and got the right number of treats for the number of animals we did have. Uh, And I went back to the closet that he had a bed in and used to sleep in to wake him up because he was old and mostly deaf and blind and stuff and wake him up and get him ready for me to depart for work. And there's nothing there. Right. And then it's like. And your treats were in plus one. And yes. And then it's something like, oh, yeah. He's dead. Yeah. And that's when it hit me. But I think the same thing is true in reverse of Mm -hmm. Julia's baby. That it's like this intellectual truth, but it's not hit me. Like, I I don't really believe it. Right. (laughs) Entirely. (laughs) Like, to some extent, this is just pure myth and legend about things that happened to people in a long ago time in a faraway place. (laughs) And I have no idea. But anyways, that's why Julia has not been around for quite a while but she is working pretty hard to yep. try and get back on the show. Though obviously we are not rushing her because <laughs> absolutely not caring for her child has to come first. This is still a podcast about yeah. a hobby, and we have well, she's caring for two kids. You know, she's caring for a baby, and then her husband Mike. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, it's, it's just tough how, work. How it works. All right. So Chad and I were having a conversation prior to cutting the show about the ways that we have interacted with various players <sighs> and game masters. Okay. <laughs> And Chad was telling me about some of the behaviors that he will tolerate, won't tolerate, and wishes he could not tolerate, except the results would be explosive. Yeah. All right. So what came to my mind as I was listening to you talk about this was back when I was working for a prior company, and this Mm. is what I'm 99% sure I mentioned on the show before, they put me through a bunch of 
organizational psych and industrial quality control, various sorts of training. Okay. And yeah. I've gotten certifications in these that are absolutely useless, but I have, a, I have a certificate somewhere. But one of the things that came out of this or that I, I had to sit through in this mm-hmm. was something by a guy whose name is Ken Blanchard. Now, what Ken Blanchard is most known for probably is he wrote a book called The One Minute Manager. So, I actually like that book. Well, and I'm you not know, they, saying it had some good points sure. in it. I mean, it was all pop psychology bullshit, but it did make some good. Well, points and the thing Blanchard. about a lot of this pop psychology stuff, because I've often said my favorite book of organizational pop psych is a book called The Power of Zap, which I will yeah. link to in the show notes. And it is common sense stuff about how not to be a total Mm-hmm. to everyone that you work with. Right. But this should be common sense, but it in fact is not. And so for many people, this is like epiphany. I mean, right. This <laughs> yeah. is like a revelation of, of God here. So one of the other things that Ken Blanchard wrote, and I'm not saying everything the guy did was useless. I mean, I think he's still alive, mm-hmm. but at any rate, he has a, a PhD from Cornell. He has done, A lot of good work. Once again, even if I put it personally under the diamonds and the rough stuff, he's done a lot of good work. Now, one of the other things that he is pretty well known for that I'm going to tie to role playing is he came up with something called situational leadership. All right. And this is another one that I, I will link to this in the show notes because there's descriptions of situational leadership. He apparently did a second iteration of it. I'm not as familiar with. And you could read critiques of it and his responses to him and such. It's all in a nice little wikipedia article so if you just want the sort of fart of information (laughs) that you get off of wikipedia that's where you can go but he came up with a a theory that when something like this that when you're dealing with somebody who is in a job you can look at them broadly speaking in one of four categories and for many people Mm -hmm. they will actually follow these categories in order and recognizing where this particular employee is at can shape how you as a manager need to respond to and mentor this person. And I completely believe that this is true about the psychology of role-playing and about the things that we are willing to tolerate or ought to tolerate Mm -hmm. in a role-player or in a GM. All right, but it, it goes like this. Let me give you a rundown of situational leadership. It goes like this. So you can think of this like a bell curve that starts low, goes up, and then comes back down on the opposite side, okay? So it's moving from left to right, but it's also moving up and down. So left to right is how much direction a person is willing to accept. Mm -hmm. Top to bottom is how much support or emotional encouragement this person needs, all right? So the way that... So what you're saying is, like, you know, how much guidance they need how much hand holding in a role-playing sense you tell them the plot but then you're kind of pointing out right where to go what door to enter let, let me put this in the general organizational terms then i'm going to go back and apply this oh, okay. to role players all right so the first one mm-hmm. so leadership style one or development phase one is a person i wonder if we're going to get sued no because these guys these guys like really copyright heavy their stuff. They do, but this is all available on Wikipedia. And because we are media, we, we it's are allowed. Creative Commons. It, well, yeah. even if it's not Creative Commons, because of the fact that we are media, we are actually allowed to discuss this material. Oh, yeah. So, and I'm not claiming 
ownership of any of this. So we'll link it all in the show notes. This is all Ken Blanchard's stuff, and this is all publicly available information. I, I'm not reading you anything out of his books here. This is all stuff you can get anywhere. You know, just hit mm-hmm. Google. All right. But his first one is he says that when people start off, that they have low direction. Mm-hmm. All right. So you, imagine you're brand new to a job. Yeah. You've never done this before. You don't even know where the bathroom okay. is. Okay. So you have a low sense of direction. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're doing. And you have a low degree of confidence. All right. So you need someone to give you a lot of step-by-step instruction. But along with that instruction, you're probably going to feel intimidated and overwhelmed because it's your first outing. So if you've ever, you know, you think your first job was probably something like this. You also need some encouragement that you're just new. You're not stupid. You're not whatever. You're just new to this. You need to keep at it and you'll get there. And on top of that, I'm going to teach you what you need to know. I'm not going to leave you like a fish in deep water. And what he theorizes is that someone then progresses from that to a second stage where the person needs the same amount of direction because they really haven't learned a huge amount more than what they knew before. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a principle for us. I forget what it's called, but it's the inversion of skill and confidence where people tend to overestimate. Yeah. Like the more they know, the better a person is, they tend to think that they're not that great, but the, the worse, worse a person, person is. is yeah. yeah. And generally speaking, men actually are more likely to overestimate their skill level than women are. And men are great. Yes. It's probably true. It's always better with them. Yeah, man. exactly. So, but the second phase is where the person, I, I saw a, uh, I saw a musical over the weekend called uh, a gentleman's guide to love and murder. And they had a song in there called, it's always better with a man. And that's Pat and I's <laughs> new theme song. It's great. Could also work for ancient Greece or Rome. Right. But anywho, uh, the second stage, the person mm. needs a lot of direction, but does not need or will not accept as much support because now they kind of feel the world's their oyster, right? They figured out a few things are kind of in this hot shot mentality. Uh, they've got some inertia behind them. So then what happens in the third stage is the amount of direction a person actually needs is decreasing mm-hmm. because of the fact that they really do have the skills they thought they had in the prior phase. Okay, so at this point, they've gone from overconfident basically to underconfident. They have a lot more skill than they think they have, but something has happened to spook them a bit. As they got out there and really compared themselves to the experts, and they failed at a few tasks, or they overreached in a few places, their confidence has now dropped. And so now you have to shift. Okay, so in stage one, they need lots of direction and encouragement. Right. In stage two, they need lots of direction, but not as much encouragement. Stage three, we invert that. The person needs a lot of encouragement, mm-hmm. but in truth, not as much direction, because right. they actually have a much better idea what's going on. And then you finally hit stage four, where the person has reached a sufficient level of both skill and confidence Mm -hmm. to where, yes, they're still going to need direction. Yes, they're still going to need support. But 99 times out of 100, you can just delegate to them. In fact, this is the name he gives the four stages. The first stage is directing. The second stage is coaching. The third, because they're not going to necessarily accept right. the advice because you're overconfident. The third stage is supporting, 
because now you have to get the confidence back to where the skill really is. And the final stage is delegating. Mm -hmm. You now at this point, this person is as good as a human being can reasonably get. You really just have to point them in the right direction and let them go. Now, if we talk about the experience or at least the behavior of a role player, I have seen all four of these. Mm -hmm. I have seen some people. Now, this could have to do with the time they spent in the hobby where they come into the hobby and at first they have no confidence. They're afraid to role play. They yeah. don't understand the rules. They don't get what role playing is. They're intimidated. Well, I've seen veteran players go into a new group and a new game. And they're like that. They they kind of want to, they, they call it, oh, I want to get the lay of the land. I want to get the feel for the room. I want to get a feel for the group. And if, if we follow Ken Blanchard's model for role players, which is uh, totally what this is meant for, right? that would be a stage three person, right? Because what's hmm. happened is the skills there, but the confidence oh, is gone. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So they know how to role play. Yeah. They know how to get along with other people. They know how role playing games work. They may even know the system and setting in question, but they've lost their confidence. So they're right. at that third point where what this person needs is support mm -hmm. more than they need direction. But when they first come in, they need a lot of support and a lot of direction. They need to be told, hey, this is a lot less intimidating than it seems. And on top of that, I'm going to teach you the rules and teach you the lay of the land and maybe give you some obvious buttons to push at the end of each plot point. Yeah. In that second phase, people start getting caught up in the moments around the table. They start getting a little more boisterous. Mm -hmm. They get a little more vocal, but they don't know all the rules. And suddenly right. you find out they've been near death for the past five hours of play because they didn't realize they could self-heal <laughs> or they nearly get themselves killed in the game because they said something that anyone who is familiar with the setting would know this is not something you say to this person. Right. And so they may have that confidence, but they don't have all the information they need. Mm -hmm. I've seen this when I was running for my family because they'd start getting you know really into the moment and we'd be playing with our Star Trek or D&D, but then they would do something. It's like, okay, bad idea. Time out, time out. I don't think you realize just how powerful this enemy is. Yeah. And I, I'd be like, do, you might want to roll that back, right? I love your enthusiasm. Let's keep that at 11. <laughs> but let's rethink this action. That was a right. bad idea. Stage three, exactly like you talked about. Mm -hmm. Could be a veteran role player in a new group. Could be a veteran role player in a new game. I felt this way coming into Dresden Files. Mm -hmm. I knew role play and I knew how to role yeah. play, but I had no confidence in my understanding of the setting. I've not read the Dresden File right. books ever since I found out they're not about Dresden in World War II. <laughs> and I've never gotten past the disappointment <laughs> until finally you get somebody who's got that full confidence and full whatever. Now, Chad, where I'm going to kick this back to you oh, okay. is we were talking about this, not just in terms of where people are at, but an individual in the course of their career, and this is one mm. of Ken Blanchard's ideas, and we can apply this to role-playing, that a person in the course of their career is not necessarily static at any point on this chart. No. Because as you pick up new skills or move into new companies or new areas or have things happen mm -hmm. that change your disposition, you have a positive experience or negative experience, you can progress or regress along this curve and find yourself bouncing around the points that ought to be there. 
And we were talking about this in terms of things like tableside behavior. Yes. The etiquette, as it were, of role-playing games and such, that I am becoming increasingly angry over. I don't know if I'm angry. I guess I am. I, I think I'm getting myself worked up about it. So. Well, the way that I've seen it manifest over my years of GMing and playing is if we're going to keep beating this Ken Blanchard thing, <laughs> I would put that person at what Ken Blanchard would call the second face. Yeah. This is somebody who has a lot of confidence mm -hmm. in terms of they think they're bringing the right behavior yeah. and the right elements to the table. And you're going to have a lot of trouble dissuading them or disabusing them yeah. of this idea, right? They've got the confidence. You're not going to unseat them from this without creating drama, right. without stopping the game to cuss them out, which is not a good idea. No. So you don't want to ruin the enthusiasm or the friendships. But the truth is what they're actually bringing to the table yeah. is not the same as what they think they're bringing to the table. Well, I mean, what we have is we have someone who is an excellent role player, who's very good at it, who's very enthusiastic about it, but they have a behavior, which is they cannot get off their f***ing cell phone ever. And they think that's acceptable. And to the point that they don't, you can't communicate with them. They don't know what's going on. Things come up and you ask them what they're going to do about it. And they have no context. They cannot make an informed decision, and they know they can't make an informed decision. So like you said, they're an experienced person, but then in that moment, they're failing, and so they start flailing. You know, they, I have to make an informed decision, and I don't have all the information, but I'm a really good role player, so wait a minute, I don't understand what's going on here, and now I'm getting upset about it. It's like, well, you're not understanding what's going on because you can't get your face out of a cell phone. Yeah, and that's kind of the point of the stage, too, is what they think they're bringing Right. to the table, literally or metaphorically, is not the same as what they actually are bringing to the table. But one of my pet peeves, mm -hmm. even when I'm the one at fault for the fact that I couldn't be understood yeah, because I didn't speak loudly enough, I didn't speak slowly enough, I used vernacular that no one but me would be familiar with, mm -hmm. I hate repeating myself. Yeah, I really hate it. Like, there are times where I'll have to repeat myself three or four times for reasons that have nothing to do with the other person. And I'll finally hit a point. Just like, you know what? Screw it. Just forget. It. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, this is just irking me, but it really bugs me when it isn't my fault. Yeah. When I'm talking to somebody and they've got their nose in a book or a cell phone mm -hmm. or talking to somebody else or doing whatever. And I finally get to them like, okay, what's your action? What do you do? Right. What's going on again? Yeah. Okay. My pet peeve is similar to that with my unnamed player, because what he'll do is he'll be like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean we're getting attacked by goblins? It's like, well, because I said, you know, you're you're in the tavern and, and the goblins are attacking. They're coming in through the windows and such. A tavern? What are we even doing in a tavern? Whose, de whose decision was it to go in a tavern? It's like, well, you know what? If you had been paying attention... You'd know, and this, you would have had a say in it. This was a real struggle for me when I was running Star Trek. The situation there mm -hmm. was, at the time, there were two very young children present who were distracting mom and dad a lot. Right. Okay. I accept that this is a necessary part of mm -hmm. human life, right? If people stop having kids with all their quirks and whatever, <laughs> then we as a species would cease to exist. Okay, right. so I, I accept this. I'm not condemning these people. But when you're trying to explain 
a situation in something that's as highbrow as Star Trek. Right. And you're trying to explain it to people that you know are new to role-playing and might also be at least somewhat new to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. The explanations get rather lengthy. They get very complicated. Right. You have to explain in detail what all of these things mean. Or you could go the other route, which is a real disservice to them of saying, well, okay, do you want to teleport down to the planet? What do you mean teleport? Magic box, you start at point A and you end at point B. Or my character is really hungry. Where am I going to get food? Well, you're on the ship. Just go to a replicator. What's a replicator? Magic box that spits out food. <laughs> Suddenly everything, it's like, okay, well, uh, is there any way that we could tell what kind of alien life form this is? Well, you could use your tricor. What's tricor? Magic box that tells you everything you want to know. Yeah. You know, well, it's, well, it, imagine, it's a disservice. Imagine a situation where it's like, okay, there's a Klingon ship nearby, and you're over a planet that has some... What's a Klingon? Is that something that gets stuck to my butt? Exactly. And you're over a planet that has interference. Well, now things like explaining, okay, to transport... You have to lower your shields. Mm-hmm. And this is what it means if you lower your shields with a Klingon nearby. So wait, we're removing metal plates from <laughs> yeah. the outside of the ship? And do you understand what it means if you take a high-end Klingon torpedo up the ass? I thought we were in space. Yeah. Like water? So <laughs> yeah. it's you go through all this, and then to get to the end of it, and to have someone who is distracted, even by purely legitimate, acceptable means... To suddenly bounce back and say, can you explain all that again? Nope. And it's like, this is why I drink while I GM. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you want to know why I drink, this is why Uncle Dan drinks. (laughs) And you try to be patient with that, right? But there comes the point where it You only have so much patience in the tank. It's a human thing. You only have so much patience. But I think it hits a completely different level when it's not something where, at least in the back of my mind, I can say, okay, this is a fact of life. Right. They're doing the best they can within the context of having a family and having yeah. other obligations. It's very different when a person is willfully yes. choosing to distract themselves when they're having side conversations mm-hmm. or playing on their phone or just diddling around with origami yeah. or, or whatever it is they're doing that has them pull out of the game. And it really does try the patience because I think it is one thing. To step back, and this is where I probably would get into a copyright violation. Truth be told, I don't remember a lot of this crap anyway. Mm. If you're interested, go grab a Ken Blanchard book. I think he actually has a book called Situational Leadership. But it's not just a matter of identifying where someone's at. That's a great first step. Identifying why the problem's occurring. Where Mm. are they at in this developmental curve? Where are they at in this curve behaviorally? Why is that happening? And knowing exactly how to respond to that. How do you tell someone who thinks they've got it figured out Mm -hmm. that, no, actually, you kind of don't? Right. And this is something I think we're going to have to do a second episode on or revisit on, because since we cut that episode, a lot more people involved in the show have come to see things my way, which was the show we did on the gamification of games. So maybe it's a little bit dangerous socially to attack negative behaviors. Right. So go the opposite direction. Reward the positive behaviors. Okay. So if you show up to the game, you get X amount of XP or Mm -hmm. rerolls or what are fate chips Binnies, or whatever. whatever's appropriate M&Ms. to your game i'll give you m&ms hand jobs I, <laughs> whatever's appropriate to the right. game what is this a starbucks <laughs> <laughs> if you bring your character sheet you remember bring your character sheet that's worth x amount of whatever if you put your phone in a bucket right and only right. take it out 
when we agree as a group that we're going to take a five or 10 minute bathroom break, that's worth X amount of XP. And you start rewarding the positive behaviors as a reverse way mm-hmm. to try and diminish the bad behaviors. Because if you point at somebody and say, hey, put your phone away, you're being a jackass. Yeah. They're going to get defensive. It's probably not going to end or, real well. What happens with me is that I say something and they put the phone away for maybe half the session. And then the very next session, they're back at it. And so it's constant nagging. And I don't do that. Yeah. I don't see. That's my problem is I am not a leader. I don't want to lead because I am very uncomfortable telling people to do things, ordering people to do things. Sure. I'm very, you want to be going back to the stupid chart. Mm-hmm. You want to be a style four manager, maybe a style three manager, right? Style three managers, encouragement without direction. Yeah. A style four management is someone who basically just says, go forth and do you delegate. Mm-hmm. You say, I know you got your stuff on lockdown. Yeah. Go. Right. You know, I'm not a coach. Exactly. I'm not going to hold your hand. It's but that's okay. Sure. I I prefer working for small companies to large companies because small companies, they tend to silo a lot less. My skill sets, I'm allowed to use more of them. But one of the side effects of it that I love is I have to be managed in that fourth style Mm -hmm. because there are so few people in the company. There's not this huge hierarchy to tell me what to do and to hand me a phone book size standards manual of how it's going to be done. Right. They come to me and say, okay, Dan, we know we need a system that sends out automated reminders of upcoming appointments. Mm-hmm. That's as much as we know. Yeah. We have no idea what the technologies are. We have no idea what the best way to implement it is. And they just, I'm like an arrow, point me in the right direction and let me go. And that's where I want to be, right? Mm-hmm. And as a game master, that's where you want to be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I've been around you long enough. I think you're also perfectly comfortable in that third section mm-hmm. where it's like, this is someone who's doing the right thing, yeah. but just needs some encouragement. They just need to sort of understand that, and no, you've use, got some good ideas. You, you can do this. I use the encouragement bat. Yes. You know, it's, just, it's a bat that you write encouragement on. Exactly. And you beat them to death with And it. you give them serious brain trauma <laughs> right. with it. But it's it's what Clen Blanchard recommends. Right, I know. I mean, you can't be illegal, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's the, That's why I went into industrial organizational psychology. Is was like, the ability to hurt people right. physically using an organizational bat. And then I took an abnormal psych class, and then I found out some things about myself, and then I went into IT. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But identifying where someone at is only the first step. Figuring out how to respond to that is the second step. And I think where this gets hard is the fact that I know my limits. Mm -hmm. I know there are points where I'm getting angry. Yeah. And I'm happy to make the decision. Like we said, your patience tank can only hold so much patience. Yeah. And at what point do I decide I'm just not doing this anymore? Right. And that's this weekend for me. You know what? Fair enough. I I haven't had to deal with this in a while, but I had games in the past. So this was Mm -hmm. not my family game. I won't name the people that were involved, but I had a game I ran in the past where some of the players were very invested and involved. Mm -hmm. Some of them were paying attention, but just didn't. 
they hadn't felt it out. They didn't know right. what to do. But they were at least there and with me. But there were two players that were absolutely completely checked out, in my mind, completely disrespectful. And at the end of the game, I was sufficiently angry that I just said, look, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. That, that was the first game and that was the last game. Because what you guys did, it's not some obscure FTB 9000 compliance mm-hmm. thing. You weren't showing me basic social courtesy. Right. You know, I mean, I can't imagine. That's how I feel about the cell phone thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel this way when I go out with people to dinner because I belong to the St. Louis Science Fiction Fantasy Meetup meet up group. group. Yeah. And so we do big dinners and stuff. And, you know, sometimes we have a whole lot of fun. It's, it's really cool. It's really social. But there are other times where I'm sitting at this table with like 10 people and I am the only person not playing goddamn Pokemon Go. <laughs> and I don't feel left out of Pokemon Go because f- that game. But it's like. I'm here to interact and be social. Why aren't we interacting? Yeah, why aren't we interacting? You are catching Pokemon. That's great. Why don't we have an event that's just that? And then we have an event that's dinner for the people who like to talk to each other. Which I was on the opposite side of that. (laughs) Too much talking getting in the way of your Pokemon. No, no, not exactly. I, I, I suppose I should say that. In the situation you described, I would have been one of the the opposite of one of the problem people. All right. So to give you a little bit of history there, there's a whole bunch of people I work with mm-hmm. that are all about our age and have geeky interests. OK. Right. And so some of us at one point decided to go out to an event that was out in a place called Soulard. It's a neighborhood mm-hmm. of St. Louis. It's called Soulard. And within Soulard, they were having a pub crawl specifically for Pokemon Go. Sure. Because this is a historic part of the city. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of ingress stops, right. which became the seed data for Pokemon Go. And so a bunch of these pubs got together and said, you know what? Let's just own this. <laughs> we're going to have a Pokemon Go pub crawl where when you walk in, you get a wristband for blue, red or yellow based on what team you're on. And then you have a little sheet. And when you walk into a bar, if you buy a drink from the pub or whatever, then they stamp it. And then at the end of it, they put that all into a big hat and did drawings that were Mm -hmm. weighted based on the number of pubs you had visited. And of course, the whole time you're doing it, because these are all at least one poke stop, some of them, because they had like historic monuments or two, three overlapping poke stops, you were able to get your stuff from the poke stop and and everybody had lures down. So you Mm -hmm. collect those Pokemon. But. There was one guy who came with us who isn't playing Pokemon Go. Okay. Isn't interested in it in the least, right? He just came. This was not me. He he just (laughs) came purely for the social aspect. He just wanted to socialize with everyone and hang out and was not playing Pokemon Go. Hmm. So I took a look at that. I I saw what was going on. And I wouldn't do that. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I did not go to the opposite extreme. I didn't say I'm not going to play this game when that's what I came out here to do. Absolutely. But what I did do is I went out of my way at several points to put my phone down Mm -hmm. to just spin the little circles that make the items drop without even looking at the phone or to put it aside completely and talk to this guy. Right. To make sure that he was not just the fifth wheel Mm -hmm. to our little Pokemon gathering. I was reading the situation. Yeah. 
And I started just making jokes, like we'd walk into some place. I'd be like, let's play a game. And he's like, if somebody be like, what, can I smoke him? I'm like, no, drink the drink. <laughs> and I'd just order a round of just random drinks. Like they had renamed all the drinks sure. after Pokemon, you know, like you had, yeah. I don't know, Squirtle Squirt or something, which <laughs> sounds horrible, but I, 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 don't, I don't even remember. That drink. <laughs> I just made this up. I have no idea. I don't remember. Right. I, I would go out of my way to, to socialize with this guy, right? Because I read the freaking situation. Yeah. And here is my call. To you people as players or as game masters or whatever, take some time to read the situation, understand that the people there made an investment to prepare mm-hmm. this entertainment, and if you cannot put your phone down or whatever your issue is, right? You're right. If you can't at least attempt to be invested, yeah. you know, if you are in that spot too, where you have high confidence, but your actual game you're bringing is nothing, mm-hmm. have the self-awareness, the objectivity to say, holy crap, I think I'm totally contributing, but the past five times the GM's asked me what I'm doing, I don't even know where we are. Right. Maybe this is a sign I need to put this phone down or give or, this phone to somebody else. Or, or maybe say, maybe you don't know. Maybe in your mind, you're only picking it up, checking it, and putting it down. But what is in reality happening is you're picking it up and you are having long, drawn out text conversations and you're catching a whole bunch of Pokemon and you're checking up Facebook and and you're there for the entire time. I mean, if you kind of read the signs there and say, well, I don't know what's going on in the game and I kind of missing out and everybody's giving me dirty looks like, guys, am I doing something wrong? Am I messing something up? You know, it's okay to ask that. And you might get looks like, yeah, put your goddamn phone down. <laughs> I don't, I don't pick it up that much. No, you actually you do. You do. Yeah. And if somebody does that, kind of have understand that, that that actually takes a lot of balls to do. It does because no one wants to admit they're wrong. No one wants to feel that. No one wants to be the bad guy. And if somebody actually gets like a modicum of self awareness and to ask like am i annoying people here i actually respect that a lot because it takes a lot of courage to ask that question i won't name the person but there's someone i very recently had the conversation with where this person is really struggling to keep and maintain friendships Mm -hmm. is struggling at work and this individual asked me quite bluntly what is wrong with me right and When someone is that vulnerable, you don't want to be the jackass. You don't want to crush this person. But, Chad, you are absolutely right that while I think it needs to be done with compassion and respect, what you're trying to do is help this person improve. Mm -hmm. If they've asked you, clearly they want to improve. Which I'll presume they want to improve. Maybe they just want validation or (laughs) complete jackasses. But But at least that's that's an opportunity for you. Yeah, it's an opportunity. They asked, so you tell them the truth. Yeah. But if you were on the receiving end of that, do try to have a little bit of a stiff upper lip. And even if it hurts, be prepared to hear the truth. Yeah. Because when this person asked me, there were a bunch of things where I heard them out and I'm like, no, it sounds like you're in the right and the people around you are idiots. Mm Mm-hmm. But there were a few places like, okay, you screwed up here. Right. You know, this is how you came across. This is probably how what you did was interpreted. You need to dial this back. I am trying to avoid going into details. I don't want to dump this person's laundry. But it did take, like you said, it took a lot of guts Mm -hmm. to tell that person. And if you don't want to hear it, don't ask the question. Yeah. I mean, at least that's a certain degree of honesty. 
And I hate it when people do that. They ask a question, and as soon as you give them the answer, they don't want the answer anymore. They ask the question, but they wanted a specific answer. Sure. They wanted validation. Yeah. They just wanted you to punch the card. Yeah. But in my situation, you know, I've got a handful of people who are addicted to cell phones. They're absolutely addicted to the point of distraction, to the point of them being unable to play the game. And they're very good. They're very good at playing the game. They're very, they're good friends and they're good at role playing and they add a lot, but they cannot put the cell phones down. And what really gets me about this is that there are a lot of factors, right? So we made an agreement. We, we made, when I pitched the game, I agreed to some things. They wanted a couple of things from me. They did not want me to ad lib the whole game. They wanted me to plot it out. And I did. And they did not want, they very specifically said, we do not want a you tell me game where it's just like, well, they asked me, well, what is this? What happens in this situation? And I say, well, you tell me because it's all indie. I am a game master and I take charge and I tell them what's going on and build the scene for them. And I do that. And they want, you know, rules and a modicum of crunch and a sort of progression for their characters and such. You know, we had all that. We, we provide, I provided all that. And my request, my demand, it, and it was a demand, is that if the cell phones have to get put away, there are other things you can do. I don't care if you're reading role-playing game books or other books. I don't care if you're knitting or crocheting or whatever that is that you do. I don't care if you do a hundred different things. The cell phones suck away too much attention. If you cannot put the cell phones down, I will not be able to run this game. And I told them that. I told them that under no uncertain terms. I wasn't dancing around it. And it's like, I will stop running the game and somebody else will have to run the game. Run a game, any game. And I'll just be a player from now on. And it's been months. It's been a long time that we've been playing this game and it's very good and they're very invested in it. They keep telling me how great the game is, how much they like it, but they can't put their cell phones down. And I've told them, I've reminded them, I've demanded it of them. I've reminded them of their agreement that they've made multiple times and they can't put it down. And I don't think it's because they're being or dicks. I, I think, I believe that it is a combination of a sort of addiction and that in their mind, it's that thing where, oh, well, I'll just check this thing and it'll only take a few moments and then I'll put it down. And that's what's occurring in their mind. But in reality, it is them on their cell phone for an hour doing all these different stuff because one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing and suddenly time dilates and then goblins are standing on a table threatening them and they're all pissed off. When, when did we enter a tavern and who are these goblins? And I think another part of it too is like I said before, I don't like being a leader. I don't like being a manager is because I loathe telling people what to do. I loathe ordering people. I have this thing about like personal freedom and personal liberty and I'm damn near an anarchist because I cannot stand authority and I can't stand being authority. And so me ordering somebody to do something really grates on me. So I have that problem, which is mine. I have a hard time ordering them to put their phone down because I could do that. I could sit there and I can go, put your goddamn phone down. Okay, continue on with the game. It's like, so-and-so, what do you do? Hey, put your goddamn phone down. Okay, on with the game. That's just not me. And also, I'm not their parent. I shouldn't have to nag them. So I'm at a point where I think my only recourse now is to go into this game 
that's coming up and before the game starts is lay it down of you agreed to this you have ignored it all of you have ignored it and this is the consequence of the agreement is that if you cannot put the cell phones down and engage with the game i'm going to stop running the game and i am going to stop running the game today if you touch your cell phone today if you touch it i will stop running the game i will delete all of my notes i will take my laptop home and i will give up the gaming chair to whoever else is running it and i will never run a game again for this group but i will happily play because i love you all and you're all my friends is that too far is it unreasonable now again i don't want validation i'm i'm asking the question here i don't, I don't know i mean and the honest reason i don't know is because i'm not there to see it right it's not a drama thing it's not a fight it's not an argument it's nothing getting mad over it's just it's I, the fight i don't want to have. Chad, there was something you and i were talking about and by the way i do want to listen to this show i realize this show is kind of long on us venting and maybe short <laughs> on advice which i'm okay with I, right. I think this is us having some real talk because fear the boot is not a show about all the stuff we figured out <laughs> it, it's yeah. about all the things it's all that, the mistakes we yeah made. it's all the mistakes we've made the mistakes we continue to make it's about the things we're struggling through and, and my question is am i going to run headlong into a mistake this sunday yeah and, and this was something that i had to weigh out very carefully when i was running that game for my family group was mm -hmm. i don't hate kids right but i myself am not a kid person much like yeah. you chatter not an animal person I, i'm just i don't hate kids I, you know when when kids come up to me, I smile and I try to validate them, yeah. but I'm not the type of person that runs over to a kid in the room. That's just not who Absolutely. I am. And it was really hard to figure out, you know, You're how it's greatest uncle. Yeah. I've told you that before. You're the kids need different kinds of people in their lives. They need world's greatest grandparents and they need world's greatest uncle. Yeah. You teach them all the bad stuff that their parents won't exactly. teach them. <laughs> Mom and dad say no more cookie. I hand them a cookie under the table and wink at them, and they laugh, and nobody knows. That's right. <laughs> they, except I think Adam listens to this show, so <laughs> now somebody knows. But the, the point being that, you know, I, I had the same struggle you did, yeah. okay? All right, of, of how do I address this? Am I being unreasonable? Right. Which I, I determine in that situation, I think, whether I was being unreasonable or not, I think the situation that was upsetting me, it was reasonable that it existed Yeah, because parenting and children require something that I'm just not wired to accept, but they weren't doing anything wrong. Now, it's very mm. different than playing with a cell phone. Nobody, right. unless you're on call or something, or you have a someone, a relative dying in the hospital, yeah. nobody needs to be on their damn cell phone. Mm -hmm. Certainly nobody needs to be playing Pokemon Go unless you work for Niantic, however you pronounce it, and are <laughs> watching uptime when Pokemon Go is your job, right. which I know it isn't for anyone <laughs> in the story. But the point being that I think that I would struggle with it because one of the things that, Chad, you and I were talking about when we were getting ready for the show, right? When we were basically right. venting to each other mm -hmm. about the situations in our lives is I said it is my firm belief that there's only one thing every human being owes every other human being if we assume a blank relationship. I'm meeting you for the first time. We have no other social commitments or social history. I think there's one and only one thing that every human being owes to every other human being out of the gate. And that is common courtesy. 
Right. I believe trust is earned, love is given, all these other things, you know, boundaries, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think the one thing that everyone owes everyone else from the word go is basic courtesy. And if you've been raised even vaguely right, you have known since a young age that when someone is speaking, it is the courteous and right thing to do to give that person at least the vast majority of your attention. Now, there is an old saying that is completely true, which is the brain can only absorb what the butt can endure. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody's mind does wander every mm-hmm. X number of minutes. People don't estimate on what this is for the seven minutes or whatever. Right. But everybody's mind does wander after a certain amount of time. Yeah. It's human nature to multitask. Chad, when you were running that D&D game, mm-hmm. there were some times where my mind would go off on this tangent. Like, <laughs> I wonder if Knowles would do this. And right. that's human nature. I, you cannot have 100% engagement all the time. Sure, it's absolutely impossible. not. But I don't think there is anything wrong with walking into a group and saying, look, this is something we would understand as common courtesy. You know, if you put effort into a presentation or into a bit of entertainment, which is absolutely the case in a game. Yeah. And you cannot at least give me the majority of your attention, the majority of the time. And given the number of times I've had to repeat the setting to you, clearly you're not as good at multitasking as you think you are. Be courteous. And I struggle with this myself because, Chad, I'm in the same boat that you are. Maybe it's a little bit different. You don't want to manage. I don't want to confront. Right. And I don't have any problem with confronting. I know. And I don't have as much problem with managing. But I hate <laughs> Maybe we should like wonder twin power. This Maybe we should like tag team our, our groups. Like, yeah. Like come in and write my name on the board. Like, OK, I'm your substitute <laughs> teacher for the day. Or I could run in there. I'm like, listen, bitches, to what this man has to say. And then I walk out. <laughs> I would certainly want a strategy. Yeah. I mean, the status quo is obviously bothering you, just like the status quo I had was bothering me. I think the difference was I had to figure out, in my case, who was in the wrong. Did I just need to chill out, or was there something that needed to be done differently? And I think what might help is enough time has passed, the kids have gotten a little bit older. I would love to try it again, because I think at this point now, I think the kids would be a little bit better at self-entertainment, or even possibly able to participate in the game. Mm-hmm. But in your case, I think I would, I mean, at the very least... Is there an ultimatum attached to it? I don't know. I haven't been there long enough to see the context to know if that's appropriate. But I think certainly I would go in and say, look, this is really bothering me. I I mean, either you guys need to stop it or I need to start rewarding people that aren't doing it. Mm -hmm. Or if I come to you and you don't know what's going on and I have to repeat a scene I just gave, I'm just going to skip over you. Right. And if you don't want that to happen, then at least give me some sign you're paying attention. I think certainly something needs to be said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it's been said repeatedly. Yeah. That's the, the part that's killing me. And that's something that I'm going to openly admit. Maybe this needs yeah. to be a bonus episode, not a regular episode for this reason, is to a large extent, mm-hmm. while I started off with that bit of organizational psych, I'm not sure if beyond read Ken Blanchard's book and do with it what you <laughs> will, I have any advice. Right. So much as I'm just venting about the problem (laughs) because I've seen it in too many groups too many times where there's a negative behavior and I don't know how to address it without being a total ass. Yeah. I mean, and that's where I'm at. And I don't want to destroy friendships over a stupid game. No, I absolutely do not.
And, but, but at the same time, I'm nobody's doormat. You know, right. I, I don't demand a lot, but damn it, I demand respect. Yeah. I demand that basic courtesy. You know, I understand trust and love and all these things have to be worked out over time. But if you can't give me basic courtesy to listen to what I'm telling you, to show some kind of, of value in the time that I invested in preparing this for you guys, then that's cool. Yeah. But. Uh, not every game is a winner. Yeah, that's fine. Shut it down. I don't have a problem Tell with me that. you'd rather play a video game. You'd rather go bowling. Yeah. I, you that's know, cool. nut up and let's just move on. Yeah. And I mean, and if not, if you're really having that good of a time, then show me that. Show me mm-hmm. you're that invested. You know, show show me you care. When I ask you what your action is, have some idea what's going on, or yeah. at least intelligent questions. Right. I mean. Uh, if you need clarification, fine, but how did we get here? <laughs> right. Is, I, I don't know. Why are we here? Who 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 put all this stuff here? Why are these guys taking, what's going on here? And then it's like the tone of indignity about it. Like, it's like you said, you know, they think they're bringing a 10. They're really bringing a three to the game. And it's, it's yeah. just not. I don't know. Uh, I think this is definitely going to be a bonus episode because there is no useful advice in here. No. But. If you ever thought that we have these like perfect games and whatever, (laughs) you are horribly, horribly deluded. That's why we have this podcast. Yeah. So, and today, instead of a solution, you just got to hear his vent. But anyway, I do thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you're having a great week and great games and getting what you need to out of gaming. And one way or another, we will catch you next time. See ya. (laughs) 